Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Any Given Sunday Dynasty League pod. Today is a special treat. It's the Commissioner podcast, where Parker and I, the commissioners of this league, are going to address some news and notes about our league. And then I'm going to go on one of the nerdiest rants that's um, happened so far. As, as I finished up my projections, I'll be sharing some cool findings, especially on breakout players, bust players for the running back position. But for now, I'm going to throw it over to Parker, and I'm going to let him kind of talk about some of the changes that our league is going to be introducing here soon. Thanks, Bridget. Uh, so we really have two big things that are coming to the league that are going to be a little bit different. The first one that I'm most excited about is the introduction of FAB Bucks. That's F-A-A-B Bucks. And really what this is going to do is replace the traditional waiver system that we have right now where, uh, you know, if two people are, are wanting the same free agent, then uh, the program goes through and it figures out who's got the highest waiver priority and that resets, you know, pretty much every time somebody picks up a new player uh, and, and then decides from there who actually gets the player, whoever has the highest waiver priority gets the player. And that's how you end up with situations like the second best team in the league getting Cam Newton. Uh, so the introduction of Fab Bucks will hopefully eliminate some of that. And the way that it's going to work is we'll have 200 Fab Bucks at the beginning of the season. That number will not reset until the season ends and we start another season. So it'll reset at year's end at the beginning of the new season. And over the course of the year, you can spend your Fab Bucks however you would like, whether that's uh, using them to purchase free agent players. So if you've got a free agent that you just really, really want, you can bid up to 200 Fab Bucks if you want. If you want to go all in on a player, you can do that. You can also use them uh, uh, for other reasons. You can use them in trades. You can use them pretty much however you see fit. So we're really excited about that. We feel like it's going to add some more dynamic wheeling and dealing in our league and, and going to lead to more involvement, which can really only be a good thing. Uh, the second thing that we have been batting around that hopefully we don't even have to to consider adding is um, the possibility of the, the league not starting due to COVID-19. What are we going to do? <laughs> yes. Uh, should the league have to close down as a result of COVID-19, how is the fantasy draft going to work when, when the new rookies come in and, and it's time for us to draft? And Bishop and I have talked about this and we decided pretty much the best way to do it is to run all of the rosters as they are through uh, an independent program that then ranks them based on, on how strong it thinks each of the rosters are. And then that will be our draft order. Uh, we feel like that's probably the most objective way to do it. You know, we didn't want to go through each of the rosters on our own and decide to give ourselves the one and two pick because we're cutthroats. Um, we just, we figured that this would be the most objective way to do it, probably the easiest way to do it. Um, but if you have, if you have other ideas, we would encourage you to reach out to us. Uh, let us know if there's something that you've been thinking about, something about the league that you would like to change. Let one of us know and uh, we can put it to a poll in the league and discuss it amongst ourselves. And that's, that's really all that we have as far as new things that we're looking to add to the league. So I will pass, pass it back over to Bishop. To that end, uh, we will be having uh, this fall our little um, column, little games, um, matches, leagues that are kind of novelty. We'll do a Vampire League. Really excited about that. 
We're also going to be doing a uh, regular redraft league with whoever from our league once. And if, if you have a friend that you'd like to bring in, this is going to be a great time for them to be able to do a, a uh, just a regular redraft league with us. Uh, so keep, keep an eye on that as we move forward. I'm really excited for that. To that end, every year I put together projections. And I go through every NFL team. I start on the NFL team level, and I put together their projections based on what they did last year and what they're expected to do this coming year. And then I bring that down to the player level. And I start looking at target shares and who's going to get it. Statistically, what's the norm? And I put together my projections. I use those projections for my personal draft, uh, drafting board. And uh, it's been really rewarding and really exciting. I've done this now for this is my third year doing it. And uh, it's really helped a lot. I encourage you to do that. Maybe down the line, we'll have a podcast on that. But this year, I want to go through some interesting finds that I had. Share some interesting numbers that maybe you haven't heard and prepare you for your redraft season. This, this episode, we're going to focus on three running backs that are value players going into 2020. The way I define value, the way you define value, or your other favorite podcast may define value may be different. So let's, let's break it down like this. A value is a player that I believe will well exceed by a tier jump uh, their ADP. Meaning if you draft a running back that's a tier three or four running back, a value player will be drafted in that range, end up being like a tier two. Usually that's identified by up to 10 to 12 uh, draft spots. Um, and now some of these you've heard, some of these names you've heard me talk about, so I'll try to move quick. But I do want to offer you this. Leagues are not won in the first two rounds. Leagues are won round seven to 13. Those are the picks that define your success or failure. Not only that, but obviously staying active in the waiver wire. You go back through these last couple of years and look at who wins most redraft leagues. It's not the players who killed the first three rounds. It's the players who found those value players deep in the draft. Maybe one of these three players is available to you in one of your drafts and you consider taking them. Maybe they really help you. Maybe they don't and I'm a bumbling idiot. Or maybe both is true simultaneously, which I think uh, is probably the more accurate statement. Let's start off with my first value pick of 2020, a name that I have talked about, I have loved, and I have tried to get everyone on the bandwagon because, guys, there is room on this bandwagon. Jordan Stinkin' Howard. What a man. Right now, his current ADP, according to the best ball, or average draft position, is 85. That's middle of the seventh round in 12-team redraft leagues. He is drafted as running back 37. There are 36 running backs drafted ahead of Jordan Howard. 36. The disrespect is unbelievable. Just to put it in perspective for you, last year's running back 37 was David Johnson of the Arizona Cardinals. He only played 12 games and only had seven starts. He had 345 rushing yards, two rushing touchdowns, 36 receptions for 370 yards and three touchdowns, a total fantasy output of 119.5 points. That's it. Seven-game starter. Jordan Howard has been given the keys to a kingdom, and he's going to outperform that. To help frame that, to reach the level of production of last year's running back 37, all he would have to do was average 7.45 points per game. Over the course of his career, here is his numbers excluding last year with his injury. 2016, he averaged 14.24 points. 
2017, 11.7, 2018, 10.6. Considering that, Jordan Howard would have to have the substantial worst career of uh, worst season of his career. He would have to massively underperform where he's ever underperformed to land where he's landing. And here's a fun little stat for you. Last year, he only played, he only played a little bit of the season. And you know where he ended up? Running back 37. He only played meaningful snaps in eight games. And in eight games, he arrived at the draft position that, that he's now falling to. That's ridiculous, especially when you consider over the last couple of years that he's played at least 13 games, he's ended running back nine, running back 10, and running back 19. He's never not been a top 20 running back. And he's falling all the way down to running back 37. Now, why? Well, for one, he's Jordan Howard. And he looks like an old man. He runs like an old man. Smells like an old man. Talks like an old man. But more honestly, it's because Matt Breida. Matt Breida is slated to be the pass-catching back, and Jordan Howard notoriously doesn't catch footballs. He drops a lot of footballs and often doesn't even get balls thrown to him. But the Dolphins are terrible at throwing to their running back. Last year, they only targeted their running back on 20% of their pass attempts, of which, of those, only 22% of them were completed. That is abysmal. One out of every five passes went to the running back, and out of that, only one out of every five um, receptions actually meant anything. That puts them in the league bottom on both of those categories. Matt Breed is not going to be what everyone thinks he's going to be. And Jordan Howard is going to get the majority of the workload. But I started thinking, Jordan Howard is, an, is atrocious in the passing game. So what would happen if he didn't catch a single football at all? Not a single football he caught all season. Looking at his running efficiency, the Dolphins' running attempts, how it's looking like their share is going to break down, and uh, his career efficiency, I came up with the floor, the average, and the ceiling of his season in the rushing game. His floor is 826 yards, eight touchdowns, or 130.6 fantasy points. That would put him at running back 30. His average, what's the most probable outcome over the course of 16 games, is 1,123 yards, nine touchdowns, 166.3 points, and between running back 17 and 21. His boom season, however, would be 1,224 yards, 11 touchdowns, with 188.4 fantasy points, making him running back 15. And remember, that's without a single catch. If he only catches 21 balls at all for 133 yards and no touchdown, he immediately becomes a top 20 running back. That's the threshold that he has to cross if he's having a floor season and a floor passing attack. He's automatically a top 20. And if he has a boom potential, which according to the metrics is 27 receptions for 207 yards and two touchdowns, he becomes running back eight moving forward. Jordan Howard is at worst a flex play, more than likely a high-end RB2 with the realm of possibility allowing him to be a top 10 running back in the seventh round. Draft Jordan Howard and do yourself a favor. I understand this, Jordan Howard. You may need to hold your nose, maybe need to cover your eyes, do whatever you need to do, but draft this man. He's being disrespected. And don't let the name scare you off. He is a value pick. 
moving forward. Parker, what do you think about my Jordan Howard love? I think it's a little weird, to be honest with you, your, your obsession with Jordan Howard. But I agree with you. I think people are sleeping on Jordan Howard, even though his fantasy production uh, has dropped on a game-to-game basis over the last three years. I still think he is a starter in our league. I think uh, he fits that flex position very nicely. My biggest knock on Jordan Howard right now is that he plays for the Dolphins. Uh, You said he was handed the keys to the kingdom, and if the kingdom is the Miami Dolphins – I'm not sure I want to be a king. You know what I mean? Uh, that's just – think about where Miami – I think they – did they finish fourth in that division last year? So they were even worse than the Jets. And that's not good. That's not good at all, Bishop. Uh, they, they've, they've been okay on the defensive side of the ball. That is true. The offensive side of the ball has been abysmal. Uh, he is definitely – a lot larger than some of the running backs they've had in the past pro football focus. I was looking at their website before we did the uh, start of this podcast and they've even got his nickname, the bulldozer up on his little, his little profile page. When you go to look at his numbers Uh, and when you look at the last running back that really had any kind of success in Miami, it's Kenyon Drake and Kenyon Drake is one of those guys that, he can run out of the backfield, but he can also catch balls. Uh, last year, they, they didn't really have any of that because they were just a terrible team. <laughs> I think it comes down to that. They, they, were, they were just terrible. But I think, uh, you know, in a system where the offensive line is spotty, having a big running back like that can only be an asset because he's probably going to break the first tackle. Uh, and if you've got linebackers that are getting through the line almost immediately, it's nice to have a running back back there that's going to be able to bounce off the first tackle and still chew up two or three yards before going down. So I think I agree with you. I don't think Matt Breda is going to be the Matt Breda that led the NFL in rushing a couple of years ago. Um, I think Jordan Howard probably ends up being the premier back, and uh, Breda gets the third and longs. So I would agree with you. I think, I think Jordan Howard is very slept on, and I think he has a place in, in this league. And you know what? In moving forward in redraft leagues, I mean, what, what are, to, to put in perspective for you, I have best ball loaded up here. Let me, let me show you. You draft, if you decide to draft, um, if you decide to draft uh, Jordan Howard, here's who he's being drafted around, right? He's being drafted around Marlon Mack and Carrion Johnson and Philip Lindsay. I mean, I'd rather have Jordan than all of those guys. Uh, so you're not having to pay up tremendously for him. You're not having to sacrifice, you know, even young guys with upside like Cam Akers. They're not even in the same tier. So you're, you're really not giving anything. Worst case scenario, he becomes a, a spot start on a bye week, and you just kind of survive. At best, like I said, I legitimately believe there's top 10 potential in Jordan Howard. Um, and I stand by it. I really, really believe that there is top 10 potential on Jordan Howard. Uh, let me ask you this. Do you think it's more likely that Jordan Howard ends as running back, running back 15 or higher or running back 16 and lower? I would say probably 16 and lower. Um, and I think some of that 
comes down to who he's playing in that division. We were talking before we even got started about Cam Newton going to New England and what that's going to look like. And if New England can mirror the success they had early last season on their defense, the, there are two really, really good defenses in the AFC East right now. So he's got to play four games against the New England Patriots and, uh, and the Buffalo Bills. So I, I, would, I would err on the side of him being on the lower end of that spectrum, but I don't necessarily have a problem with that. And uh, just kind of round off this conversation, here's my stat line for him. Uh, as I mentioned, the floor average and boom of both receiving and rushing, I have him the average on both, uh, which ends his season at 1,123 yards on the ground, nine touchdowns, 24 receptions on 33 targets for 152 yards through the air and a touchdown ending him at 199.5 fantasy points or last year's running back 15. Uh, and I feel like I've, I'm pretty comfortable with that statement. Um, that's why I made the bet on the, the page that I believe he'll be a top 20 back. Um, so so that's, that's kind of Jordan Howard. Uh, our second category is not nearly as um, in-depth or as long. It's actually a really short discussion. James White. Uh, his current ADP in redraft leagues right now is middle of the sixth round, 78 overall. RB 34. Uh, again, I think this is disrespectful to a guy who's been really consistent, really the only consistent piece of a, a um, New England Patriot team that is inconsistent. Uh, last year's running back 34 was Jamal Williams. He was the second running back for the Green Bay Packers, and his production was not great. 460 yards rushing, one rushing touchdown. Now, most of his points came because of one crazy game, but he had 29 receptions for 253 receiving yards and five touchdowns. Uh, by his volume, that is a statistical anomaly. But that's how he got most of his points, and he ended with 126.8 fantasy points. To that end, for James White to reach his ADP, so to be the 34th running back, he would have to have about 7.9 points a game. But over the last couple of years, he's well overperformed that. In 2019, he only played 15 games and still managed 163.3 fantasy points, averaging almost 11 points a game. In 2018, he had 233 fantasy points, averaging almost 15 points a game. He is consistently very good. In fact, excluding his rookie year, he has never in his entire career had an, uh, a yearly average per game lower than 7.9 points. It means he's always been that. That means he would have to have his worst career year to end up as running back 34 next year. So why is he being drafted so low? Well, I think we can all guess the first one. Tom Brady is no longer the quarterback. But I'll have some thoughts on that in a moment. The second is a lot of people would deem him as injury prone. Again, I think it's a very wildly unfair assessment. He has always played at least 14 games. And he usually has 15 to 16 games, which is normal for him. So let's focus in on the quarterback concerns. Tom Brady over the last three years has been quarterback nine in running back passing efficiency, meaning passes to the running back. That's compiled by how many times he throws to the running back, the level of completion to the running back, and the running back's efficiency once he gets the ball. But Cam Newton's now the quarterback. And Cam Newton's actually three spots higher than Tom Brady in that statistic over the last three years. 
this should encourage drafters to love and lean in on James White. Look at what he did with Christian McCaffrey. I'm not saying James White's Christian McCaffrey, but I think he's better than running back 34. The general consensus coming out of Patriot camp right now is that Rex Burkhead will not be a member of the New England Patriots by the start of the 2021 season. Either that or he's going to be relegated to the bench. They're going to try to bring Damian Harris up to speed. That leaves roughly 38 targets through the air and 65 rush attempts available to other running backs in that backfield. It would not surprise me if Damian Harris takes most of, if not all, of those rushing numbers. But those 38 catches are interesting. Because Damian Harris and Sonny Michelle, neither of them are particularly gifted at catching the ball. I believe James White stands to gain most of those pass attempts. To put that value in perspective, let's look at it like this. Last year, James White caught 72 passes from 95 attempts for 645 yards and five touchdowns. That is 76% of the time the ball was thrown to him, he caught it. And he had nine yards of reception, and almost 7% of his receptions ended in touchdowns. <clears throat> All of those are incredible statistics. To look at how I think the passing target's going to break down, that leads to him getting an increase to almost 91 receptions, pushing his catching totals to 821 yards and six touchdowns. Think about that. 91 receptions, 821 yards, and six touchdowns. And by the way, that wouldn't even be his third best season. He's an incredible, consistent asset. Following that model, it means he will have 145 fantasy points in just receiving yards. This does not include the increased efficiency that Cam Newton will bring with open running lanes and, and a spread out backfield. With just those receiving stats as his floor and baseline, he would end as running back 28. Remember, just receiving yards. Ironically, he would also be wide receiver 35. When you incorporate his statistical floor in the rushing yards, he looks to increase his production to almost 183.6 fantasy points, making his floor running back 23 going into next season. I expect him to fall around Jordan Howard, somewhere between running back 14 and running back 17. That means in the middle of the sixth round, you are getting a consistent running back two. Parker, what are your thoughts on my love for James White? I like this one. As a New England Patriots fan, uh, James White is very near and dear to my heart. Uh, he's the hero of, of one of the most exciting Super Bowls that I've ever watched. But I also love me some James White in a PPR league. Uh, the dude is, is one of the best running backs that I've watched at length from in the screen game. Uh, he does really well catching the ball behind the line of scrimmage and then getting out into open space. Uh, he's as close to a sure thing as you are going to get out of a New England Patriots player. It's kind of scary, and I, I kind of understand why he's being drafted where he's being drafted because, especially in New England, you never really know what you're going to get out of the backfield. Got guys like Mike Gillisley, Brandon Bolden, Sony Michelle. Uh, Damian Harris, you, your Rex Burkheads of the world, and then, you know, James White, and you can go back even farther to outliers like Jonas Gray, who had one really good, good game and then ceased to exist. So you never really know what you're going to get as far as fantasy value goes out of a New England running back. And then you combine that with Tom Brady leaving, and I think you could probably I – don't, I don't have any information that would prove this in front of me – 
but you could probably see a market drop in, in the value of most offensive players in New England as a result of, of Tom leaving. I get it. I really do. But I think uh, one player that really stands to gain a lot from Cam Newton coming to quarterback in New England would be James White for the very reasons that you've listed. Well, and I think um, one thing that really sticks out to me is that in 2018, we're only one season away. The last, last season he played 15 games technically, although you watched them. Some of those games he was coming back too soon from injury and didn't play meaningful snaps. But the last full season he played in 2018, here's a stat line for you that will blow your mind. You ready? He had almost 500 yards on the ground, and he caught – he had 123 targets out of the backfield, catching 90 of them for 751 yards and seven touchdowns. That means he had well over 1,200 yards of total offense with 91 receptions and 13 touchdowns. This guy has the, the standard power to do it. I think your point's valid, though. The problem with New England backs is that you have no idea which week you're going to get James White and which week's going to be the Sonny Michelle show and which week's is going to be the Damian Harris show. And it, they'll probably go out and pick up like a Lamar Miller just to mess with everybody. So I think, I think that's kind of in the realm of outcomes. However, go back through and look. The only consistent baseline running back has been James White over the last three years because of that promised receiving yards. So I think uh, – I think – I think James White offers some continuity. However, as the person who owned many Sony Michelle uh, shares last year, let me tell you, it's wildly frustrating to try to bet on the, the New England backfield. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. But, you know, yeah, just kind of concluding what I think about it, you look at the New England teams that have won Super Bowls over the past couple of years – and they just do really well when they've got like this satellite scat back kind of player. You know, before it was James White, it was Shane Vereen who set, I, I want to say, was a Super Bowl record for receptions. And, uh, and before that, it was, it was, you know, Kevin Falk catching passes out of, the back, out of the backfield. So these kinds of players do well in New England. And I think James White is probably as, as close to a sure thing as, as you're going to get in that offense. And uh, sure thing is uh, still a loose term, I understand. But if you're drafting him in the sixth round, uh, you're taking the upside that he could stay uh, – he could be a, a top 20 running back. Now, this last one I want to talk about today is not going to be a top 20 running back. He's just not – I'm just going to tell you. It's Chris Thompson. You may have forgotten Chris Thompson because he briefly died. Um, his, he was a receiving back out of the Washington Redskins that was pretty dominant for a couple of years before the loss of Jay Gruden. And then he, well, for all fantasy intents and purposes, died. But guess who's back? Jay Gruden and his little boy, Chris Thompson. Daddy and son are reunited for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Right now, Chris Thompson is being drafted at a best ball ADP of 199. Meaning in redraft leagues, he's probably not being drafted unless you have a really deep redraft league. 16th round is where that would put him. His current position is running back 64. There are presently 13 players who don't even have NFL jobs who are being drafted ahead of Chris Thompson. I can't even defend that. Martavis Bryant is being drafted ahead of Chris Thompson. Last year's running back 64, which is where he is right now, was Jordan Wilkins. 
He's the third string running back for the Indianapolis Colts. And here was his production last year, 307 rushing yards and two touchdowns, seven receptions for 43 yards. A grand total, a massive total, an earth-shattering total of 50 fantasy points. To reach his ADP, Chris Thompson would have to score 3.15 points per game. That's it. Jay Gruden, however, has never, never disappointed Chris Thompson's production. When Jay Gruden was in Washington, Chris Thompson averaged 288.6 rushing yards, 41 receptions for 366 yards, and five total touchdowns. If he just did that, those numbers would have made him RB32 last season. Well above RB64, literally half of that. What is more is that there is no love loss between Jacksonville and Fournette. They have actively tried to shop him. They have given money to teams to try to take him. They are wrapping him up in Christmas presents and trying to send him as a surprise Trojan horse to another franchise. They do not want him there. And so they've made it clear they want to go in a different direction. Hiring Jay Gruden is evidence of that. That means that Jay Gruden now has a pass-catching asset out of the backfield, one that he loves, and a running back that management is trying to actively get out That reveals to me that Chris Thompson's poised for a lot of volume. To put on the tail end of that, last year, the Jacks threw to the running back 23% of the time. That was top 10 in the NFL. And Jay Gruden averaged 24.6% of his passes going to the backfield. That's only going to go up. Assuming Chris Thompson cuts into the volume for Fournette, who had a ridiculous year last year in in the passing game, which is an anomaly. That's not his strength. The market average share for for Chris Thompson is going to be close to 63 targets in the air and 62 on the ground. Using his efficiency from the pass and the Jags' efficiency last year, we're going to find that he's going to look to get about 298 rushing yards and one touchdown and 402 receiving yards and three touchdowns, minimum. That's the floor, which puts him at 94 fantasy points or running back 41. But... If he increases his efficiency or gets any more than 10 targets in either direction, that 94 fantasy points becomes 138.7, making him running back 27. It's the last pick of the draft. You're sitting there at Mr. Irrelevant. And you have two choices, Harrison Butker or Chris Thompson. Let me promise you, take a shot on Chris Thompson. At worst, you cut him, and no one remembers you drafted him. At best, he becomes the the Chris Thompson of years past, and he becomes a valuable flex play as the last pick in your redraft league. You have nothing to lose and everything to gain. Trust in Jay Gruden. Trust in the newly minted offensive line. Trust in the fact that Gardner Minshew cannot throw a ball more than 20 yards down the field. And trust the fact that Chris Thompson is still Chris Thompson. He's still that good. And I, I believe a lot in him. And I also believe in the Jags' hate for Leonard Fournette. Parker, what you got on Chris Thompson? Chris Thompson was one of the pieces that I picked up several years ago that took one of my fantasy teams from basically a non-entity to making a fairly deep playoff run. Uh, So I have a lot – I have mad respect for, for Chris Thompson. I know that he, like you said, died as far as fantasy value goes for a couple of years. but. New team, same coach, um, similar situation. Hopefully, 
it increases his production. I mean, I don't dispute you putting him on this list because he could catch a pass out of the backfield, stumble forward for three yards every other down, and blow his previous production out of the water. So I think he's definitely better than a running back 64. Well, and, and here's another thing. Uh, the mustache mania, Gardner Minshew, um, he was fun last year. A lot of people liked him. But this offseason, I've been going back through and watching his film and reading his metrics. He's a legit quarterback. And he's a legit quarterback who loves to throw short. Um, and he's accurate in doing so. I think Jay Gruden will open up lanes for Chris Thompson. I think that's going to be incredible. And I'm still – everyone's kind of jumped off this ship, right? We've been talking uh, for all offseason. Will Leonard Fournette be there at the beginning of the season? I'm still not convinced. Their re-signing of Raquel Armstead, um, who's a guy that no one knows, except for me, he's on my Dynasty League, because uh, I, I, like, I like Raquel. Um, but they're, they're actively looking to still shop him. I don't think Leonard Fournette will be a Jag. I think it's highly possible that COVID hits and injury hits, and all of a sudden Leonard Fournette's being shipped away. And that opens up a backfield to Raquel Armstead, who is more of a – I don't know. He's not, he's not Chris Thompson. Uh, and Chris Thompson, who, who could legitimately take a lot of that third down work, I, I don't see a downside in taking him. Uh, short of them going out and getting Devonta Freeman, he's guaranteed the pass catching. So I, I'm a big believer in Chris Thompson and his, uh, his floor as at least, I mean, at least RB38, which is a flex play in most league formats. So take a shot on him. You, you, you know, you don't know what you're going to get. Uh, but if you, if you don't listen to anything I say, listen to Jordan Howard. Please, for the love of all that is good, look at the numbers, look at his film, look at his efficiency. He is a legitimate, bona fide running back. So Jordan Howard, James White, Chris Thompson, focus in on them. And uh, as we kind of wrap up, I did this fun little experiment, right, where I went to, I went to a, a mock draft that focuses in on best ball ADPs. And uh, I tried a strategy where I didn't draft a running back because I, I was going to trust on my breakout candidates. So here's my roster. You ready for this? Michael Thomas, Devontae Adams, Amari Cooper, A.J. Brown, D.J. Moore, Kyler Murray, Darren Waller, Jordan Howard, James White. I took this mock draft league and I put it through Fantasy Pro's power rankings. I was number two with Jordan Howard and James White. I'm not saying you should not draft an early running back, but maybe this offers you an interesting little strategy point. Maybe instead of going back-to-back -back running backs, maybe you draft a high-end wide receiver one in the first or second round. And then you start focusing on other pieces, knowing that you can have depth later on. This is a very deep running back draft season. Uh, people don't talk about it. Naheem Hines, Keyshawn Vaughn, J.K. Dobbins, these guys that are slipping in drafts have a potential for legitimate volume. Cam Akers is another one. Don't rush early on for a running back. There is a myth that runs around the fantasy circles that, oh, well, the wide receiver position is deep. The wide receiver position is deep. But the elite wide receiver position is very, very slim. And having a top-end wide receiver has the potential every week to win you a league. So consider this year looking at some of those deeper value picks. Because I just chose three, but there are a variety more especially young guys coming in that I think legitimately could, could really uh, do some damage. Um, and players like, you know, Darrell Henderson, who you can pick late in the draft, and who knows, he could be the starter of a very potent offense. Just some thoughts to consider as you're preparing yourself for this upcoming redraft season and moves in our dynasty league.
Remember those three names. and Don't be surprised when you see James White and Jordan Howard in the top 20 and Chris Thompson making a splash. Remember where you heard it first. The Any Given Sunday Dynasty League pod with your boy, Bishop. Parker, any uh, closing thoughts you'd like to make? No, uh, I don't think so. Other than thanks for having me on again, and I want to uh, exhort all of the guys in our league again. Be thinking about the the, the change that's coming, how you're going to spend your fab bucks, um, and be thinking about any other ways that, that we might can improve on what we've got already. We love to hear them, love to put it to a poll, uh, and if nothing else, we, we just enjoy the discussion. So anything that's going to keep us involved. Okay, well, if that's it, next week we'll do our mock draft. By the way, Park, you want in on the mock draft? Sure, yeah. Sweet. Uh, we have uh, about four or five of us that will do a mock draft. Uh, the way we'll do it is we'll get on a pod, giant Zoom call. We'll screen share the, the mock drafts so you can watch it. We'll try to keep you posted if you're listening to the pod, but I'd consider watching it. We'll move pretty quick, but every once in a while one of us will make a pick, and if it's an interesting one, we'll, we'll chat about it. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about what our strategies are in the draft, what kind of things we're targeting, what we're looking for, and just kind of explore different ways of uh, coming at this redraft season to get us ready for it. But if that's all, let's, uh, let's close it out here and uh, look forward to talking to you guys next week. Take care.